You're listening to episode 157 of the Mad Chatters podcast, September 27th, 2017. Most everyone's mad here. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Mad Chatters podcast, your very important date with the happenings at Walt Disney World and around the Disney universe. My name is Derek, and I'm joined by my fellow chatter, Matthew. Hey there. And unfortunately, Jeremy is not able to join us this week, so it'll just be Matt and I. Uh, Jeremy, at the last minute, just had some school stuff come up. He's finishing up his schooling to get his... I'm not quite sure what, but he's going to be some sort of medical professional. He's going to be an ambulance person. Yes, that's his official title. EMS. I don't know if it's a diploma, a degree, a certificate, uh, something. Yeah, he's working hard. That's right. And it's been kind of a stressful week, and so at the last minute he had to bow out. But that's okay, because we've still got a lot to talk about in his absence. Uh, first of all, there's a huge anniversary this week. I mean, yeah, Epcot's turning 35, we're going to get to that, blah, blah, blah. Uh, But what (laughs) I really want to talk about is our anniversary this week. Oh, you remembered. Yeah, it marks... (laughs) I didn't get you anything, though. It marks three years since we released our first episode. Oh, my. You know, back when you first said, let's start a podcast, I said, this is never going to work. And when we started the podcast, I said, this is never going to work. And here we are, three years later, and for some reason, we're we're still going at it. We are. When we first started, I thought it would work, but I thought, well, at least the three of us will enjoy it. And that was kind of the end of that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> but little did I know that more people would find some sort of entertainment out of it as well. And I just want to say, we have some of the best listeners. Like, we, I love the emails we get and the tweets we get. Like, they just know us, you know? And I feel like all of our listeners could easily be one of us. That's true. Yeah. Um, so thanks, listeners, for tuning in. Three years, going strong. Um, it is kind of funny listening back to those early episodes. Like, I cringe, but at the same time, like, even back at the beginning, we kind of knew the podcast we wanted to be. You we know? did. I, I think that often because I listen to um, multiple podcasts and some of them will revisit earlier episodes or talk about when they first started. And um, not to toot our own horns, but I guess I listened to enough of those what not to do's that I avoided the what not to do's. Mm-hmm. I think we, <laughs> we kind of did collectively. Mm-hmm. We've gelled more over the past three years on the show. We've found our individual um niches in the podcast but uh yeah we we started off strong yeah it's almost like we found our characters like that sounds so stupid because because i mean i am Derek, like in real life but sometimes i find (laughs) my sometimes i find myself saying things that like fit the podcast character Derek, but i normally wouldn't say in real life yeah yeah me too when when i'm randomly argumentative for no reason with people i'm like i'm i'm not I don't have to add spice to this conversation because no one's, no one's listening. <laughs> yeah, it's bizarre. 
but there you go. Um, anyway, three years. Thanks, listeners, for tuning in. We hope you will continue to do so. But with that being said, we're going to kick off this episode with a round of munchies and merch. I have got to teach you about food. Close your eyes. Now, take a bite of this. Ah, no, no, no! Don't just fork it down. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm rumbly in my tumbly. Time for something sweet. And speaking of champions, friends, Canine Crunchies is the champion of all dog biscuits. Cheddar! Cheddar wizard! It's pretty scrumptious. Now, we haven't done this one in a while, but this is where we just talk about some of the merchandise and some of the food items at Walt Disney World that we've had our eyes on lately. So let's start with the munchies. Matt, have you been eyeing any food items? Yeah, I've been eyeing some food items for a while. (laughs) In particular, um, I'm going to avoid food and wine festival for a later date. Um, So... I'm, I'm going to be boring and go to Disney Springs. I've heard some off and on reviews about this, but I have always wanted to try the poutine at whatever the place is called that serves the poutine. They have different varieties, don't they? They do. It's called the daily poutine. Ah, like routine. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, they have the regular, which I think the normal, traditional poutine, which apparently is Canadian, correct? Kind of yeah, like yeah. French-Canadian delicacy, which is um, French fries. They probably call them pommes frites. And then um, like a gravy and cheese curds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they have some variations that include like some Korean like kimchi stuff, right? When I think delicacy, I think French fries and gravy. And cheese curds. And cheese curd. <laughs> curd. I, I don't know about delicacy. It's just one of those things I've, uh, I, I don't know. I've heard bad reviews about this particular place, but I haven't tried it, so. Yeah. Do So you don't know the other flavors? Um, I swear there's like a Korean barbecue one that has like kimchi. Uh, let me just, I should have been prepared with a little menu. It's all right. Let's, let's take a break and do a little bit of research. Well, luckily it pulled right up. Um, I'm seeing a French poutine with mushroom cream sauce and gruyere. That sounds delicious. Yeah. The Latin poutine sounds good. It, it's like not poutine at all, though. It's <laughs> it's fried yuca, um, black beans, pulled pork, and queso fresco. Ah, I could I could not do that one. No, that sounds the best to me, to be honest. And no, it sounds good. I, if I'm going to go for poutine, though, I want to go for the French fries with the. Oh, it's fried yuca instead of French fries. Yeah. Gotcha. So it's just like pulled pork with yuca. <laughs> um, and the Italian one is, is weird, too. I would try the French. I, I guess I need to go try the classic one first. Now, these are almost $10. Do you get the impression that this is a meal? Well, they are labeled as entrees, so I imagine the serving's pretty big, although the picture does not make them look very big. They look like they're in a little bowl 
saucery kind of, um, I don't know, like a single serving of ice cream. Surely that wouldn't be $8. Huh. Well, there you go. But I'm going to go soon and try it. It's, it's, on my, it's on my list now, so it's one of those things I need to check off. Yeah. Uh, mine is a sweet item, and it also is not part of Food & Wine. But we have time since Food & Wine lasts like three months now uh, yeah. to get to that. Uh, so mine is something that I've actually seen three people post about this week on Twitter. And it's called a birthday cake bread pudding. And it's at a place I have never been before. It's at Saratoga Springs. And it's at their fast food or their quick service location called Artist Palette. And it basically looks like a little mini cake. Kind of like a cupcake but shorter and wider. And it's birthday cake, so like funfetti, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's really, really moist. And they call it bread pudding, but I get the feeling it's like one of those poke cakes, you know, where you pour the sweetened condensed milk in it and it yeah. makes it really moist. I have a feeling that's Ooh. what it is. But then on top, it's got these little crunchies that kind of look like cinnamon sugar. And then there's just vanilla icing, white chocolate icing on top. And it looks amazing. And I've only heard really good things about it. So I might, for the first time ever, have to go to Saratoga Springs. I wonder if it's hot. You think it's hot? If you get it first thing in the morning. <laughs> I, I'm guessing it's just behind their little pastry counter. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, that sounds like a little That sounds like a little um, dinner plan there. Some poutine at Disney Springs and then walk over to Saratoga Springs for dessert. I'm down. Let's do it. Uh, all right. So how about merchandise? My merch is um, something I keep seeing. And uh, there's, you know, there's very few things I come across at the parks that I just want. Like I pick it up and I want it. I want to buy it. There's very few things. Most of them tend to be, for some reason, coffee mugs. But that's beside the point. This is one of those things I have picked up time and time again and keep putting it back, but I'm going to get it before the new year rolls around because it is the 2018 Attractions Poster Art Calendar, which um, I, I am a big fan of the poster art for the parks. I know that, Derek, you are a huge fan of the poster art. In fact, yes. you have a whole collection in your office, don't you? Yeah, I have 2015, 16, and 17, but I do not yet have 2018. So, and you took them and framed them, right? The art. Yes. You can get frames that fit perfectly for $5 a piece at Walmart. Yes. I only have two. Uh, mine are some of the old ones they sold at the Art of Disney that have the nice, like, canvas uh, matting around it. And, I, and I've framed those. But these would be just nice to have um, around. Unfortunately, I am late to the game, unlike you. But the, the 2018 captures my attention because... Um, are they always from around the world, the attraction posters? The first two years I got them, it was specifically Disneyland and Walt Disney World. But yeah, the last couple years, it's been all over. Okay, these I find wonderful because they are, they're not like e-ticket, you know, attractions. Um well, depending on how you you, you consider it, uh, I'll just I'll just briefly list what they are. January is the mystery tour from Tokyo Disneyland Cinderella Castle, which I've always found to be fascinating. Um, the second one, uh, February, I guess, is Adventure Through Inner Space, oh, uh, yeah. old attraction from Tomorrowland and Disneyland. March is very curious because it's just the um, the Gibson Girl ad and 
I don't remember seeing this in Paris, but I think this is specific to Main Street at Disneyland Paris and their ice cream place. Um, I couldn't tell you any more than that. There's Rocket to the Moon, Tomorrowland. There's Dumbo, which is kind of a classic. The Shun, Sunshine, the sun, the Sunshine Tree Terrace uh, has a big orange bird on it. Uh, yeah, and that would be June, so I think that's perfect. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Hall of Presidents, which oh, is nice. July. Yes, look at that. Um, Journey to the Center of the Earth. Oh, uh, August. I'm just yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because that's when it happened. Um, <laughs> it's very interesting looking. But that's another one from Tokyo. They have a, a couple of them. Uh, three from Tokyo, I think, if they're specific. There's Rocket Jets um, from Tomorrowland. So I don't know which which theme park calls theirs Rocket Jets or called it Rocket Jets. Maybe all of them did. I think, I think Disneyland did back in the day. Well, it's very retro. They're all kind of retro in their own little way. The, the, there's the Haunted Mansion specifically from Tokyo because there's some Japanese writing and it says Fantasyland, ah. which is interesting. Skyway to Tomorrowland and then Christmas, probably my favorite, is the Country Bear Jamboree Jingle Bell Jamboree, yes. which, where do they even do that? I know they used to do a Christmas one. That may be what it's talking about. Okay, well, I love it because it's got the, you've got the whole, you know, the whole gang on the front playing their instruments around a Christmas tree is big, you know, it's got that country Christmas look to it. So I like them because they're not all, you know, the major attractions, too on the nose. They're kind of those quirky little things that Disney fans will enjoy looking at. Yeah, a couple things about this. First of all, the only one from Paris is something you didn't even experience. So that's kind of sad. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what it is. I didn't really realize it until I came back and I was like, oh, that was there somewhere on Main Street. Also, I, I'm kind of surprised. You'd think they would use this opportunity to finally put a Shanghai poster on there, but they didn't. Yeah. And and also, I don't think I'm going to buy these. Like, I've bought all the other ones because at least half of them I've experienced myself. Mm -hmm. But these, I mean, other than Dumbo, which I already have a poster for, Okay, and Sunshine Tree and Hall of Presidents. But still, like, that Hall of Presidents poster is kind of boring. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I'm probably the opposite because I, I like them because I haven't done, <laughs> uh, okay. like, three quarters of them. I like the, uh, what do you call it? The obscurity of yeah, some of these. I can see that. I, but in my office, like, some of the favorite ones I have, like, I love the Carousel of Progress one. It's got a very Jetsons 1960s feel. Yeah. to it the Matterhorn one looks great I have Pirates of the Caribbean so I just like those because I can point to them and be like yeah I've ridden those but these I don't know I don't know what this is <laughs> kinda yeah I mean like Rocket to the Moon do I know what that is um that was where Alien Encounter was it's like Mission to Mars and then Rocket to the Moon or maybe it's Rocket to the Moon then Mission to Mars and then Alien Encounter and then Stitches thing hmm my only other complaint is I want them to release something from DCA. Like, in all the calendars I've bought, there's never been a single one. Like, um, I would love... They, the red car trolley poster is fantastic. I would love that one. Or hmm. anything from Paradise Pier, or um, even, like, Soarin' Over California or something. It seems like they are... They, they're sticking with the uh, the Disneyland Magic kingdom parks. Oh yeah, you're right. Cause I've ne oh yeah, cause never mind. There's never been anything from Hollywood Studios 
or Animal Kingdom or Epcot. Which they don't usually do posters for those things, if I'm not mistaken. It's usually just the Disneyland-ish rides. Oh. Which is curious that they do a lot of them for DCA. That's bizarre. Like, why isn't there a Spaceship Earth poster? Well, I don't know. I, I think that they became kind of popular for what they are because they they line the the tunnels as you're entering Disneyland and the Magic Kingdom. Right, right. And so I, I don't think you have that kind of entryway to any of the other parks that made it a thing. I think it just became a thing with those parks. I don't know. Gotcha. Well, I would love to see a Happily Ever After poster. Have you seen that, the actual poster? Uh, no. I think I've only seen the Wishes one. Okay, so the Happily Ever After one is now displayed in Magic Kingdom. And it's really cool because it shows the castle, but it's it's kind of split into five sections. And it uses different castles from dis- different Disney movies to, like, form the image of Cinderella Castle. So it uses, oh. like, Beast Castle at one point. I think it uses, like, Notre Dame with Quasimodo ringing the bells at one point. Why haven't I seen this one? I just saw the castle. I didn't think twice about it. I see Rapunzel's Tower and the Agrabah Palace. Uh-huh. That's very interesting. Yeah. Nope. Didn't even notice. I think I always just saw the keyhole. I was like, ah, oh, it's happily ever after. <laughs> Sponsored by Pandora. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, attraction posters, they're great, love them. Uh, My merchandise is more specific to something going on this week, so Epcot is celebrating its 35th on Sunday, and they've released some retro-inspired art to go with it, and this art is on a lot of different pieces of merchandise. And in this picture, I can't tell if they're just, like, selling this as a poster or what, but I'm going to show you. It's If you look on the Disney Parks blog, they released... Um, a, a blog post about all the merchandise they'll be selling for Epcot's 35th. And there's this print that's like navy and gold. Oh, that's really pretty. Yeah. With like I've... the original, um, the little fountain piece out front. Yes. And it's orange and gold and maybe like a purple. And if the, if they sell that as just like a poster, oh my goodness, I'm all over that thing. Yeah. It looks great. So I'm actually going to check, I'm going to be there this weekend. I'm going to check out all of the merchandise because I would like to have something that says Epcot 35, you know, to commemorate it. But anyway, there you go. Those are our munchies and that's our merch. And uh, hopefully in a few episodes, we'll be able to come back on and report that we tried or bought all of these things. Who knows? I don't believe there's a challenge anywhere in the world that's more important to people everywhere than finding solutions to the problems of our cities. But where do we begin? How do we start answering this great challenge? Well, we're convinced we must start with the public need. And the need is not just for curing the old ills of old cities. We think the need is for starting from scratch on virgin land and building a special kind of new community. So that's what Epcot is, an experimental prototype community that will always be in a state of becoming. It will never cease to be a living blueprint of the future, where people actually live a life they can't find anywhere else in the world.
This weekend on Sunday, October 1st, Epcot will be celebrating its 35th anniversary. That's right, it's been 35 years since Walt Disney World's second park opened back in 1982. But really, the history of Epcot extends much further back than that. In fact, it goes all the way back to when Walt was alive and still dreaming and still putting his ideas out there into the world. And, uh, you know, true Disney fans probably know the history of Epcot, the experimental prototype community of tomorrow, but we haven't really discussed it in depth on this show. And so we thought it'd be fun to talk about the very, very beginnings of Epcot and uh, just inform our listeners and also just have a general discussion um, about how this park came to be, why Walt Disney World built a second park, and then we're going to talk about how those early ideas evolved into what we have now, the theme park we have today. And then probably at the end, we'll even talk about the future of Epcot and what we hope to see happen to this theme park in the next three or four years. Um, so with that being said, let's start back at the beginning. On this show, we talked about Disneyland and we've discussed how when Walt dreamed it up, it was because he had been to enough parks, enough fairs and things that were kind of dirty kind of scuzzy, not exactly family-friendly, and his idea was to build a theme park where families could go together, and it would be clean all the time. It would be a family-friendly environment, and thus came Disneyland in 1955. Well, after Disneyland started to do so well, and he realized this idea was working, he he thought bigger. He thought wider. He thought, maybe we can do the same kind of thing to cities in our country, Um He kind of viewed, I think he kind of viewed cities as like hectic and dirty and riddled with crime. And he thought maybe we can sort of start from scratch and build these cities that will be free of these things. And um, I don't know, like, I guess he thought the country was kind of beyond repair, at least big cities. And he thought maybe he could bring a cleaner, better version of cities. Yeah, with... um with the concept of progress, when I think of Epcot and Walt's early plans for Epcot, I think of what he wanted Tomorrowland to be. And, and I think the heavy, heavy emphasis on transportation, I think that's where he got bogged down in the, in the, the city. He, he saw the city as kind of like a, a dead end that was losing its connection with the residential areas, which, you know, history of the 50s and 60s tells us that's exactly what was happening and uh, epcot was going to be a reversal of that cleaning everything up very early ideas for greening everything you know making it environmentally friendly and such uh so that was yeah that was waltz waltz kind of plan from the get-go yeah uh this was all shortly before he died but he he knew he needed more room than he had been given for Disneyland. Like, if you've ever been to Disneyland, it is just right in the center of Anaheim. I mean, just across the street are giant, you know, sky rises. And it's amazing that they're able to keep that out when you're in the park. Um, But there's just no room to expand, really. So he needed a place where you could expand. So he set his eyes on Florida. And, of course, there there were many other things involved. But the main concept that he wanted to do was this city. And he was going to call it Epcot which stood for the Experimental Prototype Community of Tomorrow. The idea was that they would run everything in the city, basically. Like, it would have mass transit. 
it would have, like you said, the residential areas. It would have places for people to live and work and play. And it was kind of a radical experiment, but this is what Walt wanted to do. And his idea for keeping this place going was that he would bring corporations in. He would persuade and encourage American industry and various corporations to opt in and help Disney create this city and help run it. And he would encourage these industrial companies to come up with their best ideas in technology, all new things, and then in turn they would incorporate these ideas in the city. So people who live there would constantly be getting to try these new things and they would be put to the test there um, and it would help run the city, basically. But Epcot, this is something that I always find fascinating because you hear so much about Epcot, the city, but actually that was just one small part of the, quote, Florida project mm-hmm. that Walt had planned. I mean, it was the central part, sure, but it wasn't all of it. So have you ever seen the video that we've mentioned before that Marty Sklar wrote the script for? It's about 25 minutes long, and it's Walt standing in front of a few maps, and he's explaining his idea for the Florida project. Yeah, yeah, many times. Okay. So this is where I got a lot of this information. Of course, a lot of it's online as well. But he's pointing at this map... And if you can imagine, like, a vertical line of sections, almost like if you had, like, four tennis balls connected by a rope lined up, like, one on top of the other, like, hanging down, that's what this sort of looks like. So there are four sections all connected by a straight line that would be the monorail. So at the very bottom was was something he called an airport of the future. So this is how guests would get to Epcot, basically. So at the bottom is the airport. Then the section above that was called the entrance complex. So this would be the first thing visitors see when they arrive at the Florida Project. They would be welcomed by people all over the world in their own tongue, you know, in their own language, their home language, and they would feel welcomed. So then above that would be this thousand acre industrial park area. This is where the corporations would be set up. They would constantly be trying out new technologies and building and inventing. And visitors, if they chose to get off the monorail here, they'd be able to look around and see what the corporations are working on. They would see what kind of technology is being put to use. Then above that would be Epcot. This is the the type of city that we were talking about earlier. Um... Now, above that would be a theme park. So when Walt, when Walt discussed all of this and brought it up to, I guess, the board, I don't know a better word, but, you know, the, the leaders that advised him, I think, understandably so, they were pretty skeptical, skeptical about this whole city he had planned. Like, okay, Disneyland's working, great. It's, you know, some rides. It's, I don't even know how big Disneyland is, like a couple acres no, that can't that can't be right. No, like I don't know, like tw- hundred acres. Maybe. Is it okay? I don't know. I mean, I guess Star's Land is a, or Star Wars Land is about to be fourteen. A couple acres. <laughs> so, but still, you're talking about less than twenty acres, probably. Yeah. Uh, no, probably not. Anyway, I don't. Less we than, don't know. What we we're don't know. But it's not a thousand. It's not a thousand. No. Which a thousand just describes the industrial park, which is one fifth of this. Anyway, so the board was kind of skeptical. And so basically it was their idea to build a second Disneyland on the East Coast. And Walt's compromise was kind of like, okay, we'll build the theme park to finance the rest of the stuff I want to do. Because his his real goal wasn't Walt Disney World as we know it now. It was Epcot. It was the city. 
I always think that's that that I mean, it's, I'm glad we have what we have, but it is fascinating to think that when, when in Walt's mind, and, and of course he he wasn't there to see it completed, but in Walt's mind, this this wasn't just a theme park vacation destination. This was going to be a active, actual city where people live and and work, and it was going to be basically. It's as if Disneyland and everything he had done there was just preparation for putting this into actual like i said taking the ideas of tomorrowland and transportation and the future and progress and making that into an actual place where it it happens yeah it's it's so fascinating especially when you think of epcot the theme park we have now and i think the casual disney fan knows that this is something walt kind of dreamed of but it's amazing how different what we have is from his actual idea before he died yeah, so, so let's talk about Epcot itself. So I know there's the industrial park, the airport, all that stuff. There would be a second Disneyland. But the city of Epcot would be kind of a circular model. Um, in fact, you can still see the actual 3D model of Progress City, as it was another term for it, basically. Uh, when you ride the People Mover at Walt Disney World, there's that one quick room that you zip right by. Uh, mm. But it's a working model of what this city would look like. And in the center would be the urban area. So, like, the the thing that you could see from any part of the city was this 30-story cosmopolitan hotel. That would be in the middle. And then all around that would be, like, the entertainment district where people worked, stuff like that. Um, He, he, this is a quote from that video. It says, it would include, quote, shopping areas where stores and whole streets recreate the character and adventure of places around the world. Aha! Yes. Oh. So when I hear that, like, I immediately think World Showcase. Yeah. Which is cool because, honestly, when I think of the theme park Epcot, to me, only Future World took ideas from this. Yeah. But, like, I forget that World Showcase was actually kind of adapted from this idea as well. Yeah. So that's I wish they would do a better job of... Again, it's one of those things where... Um, when you're there, you don't want to necessarily be educated about everything you're seeing to where it becomes a museum. But I do wish it was one of those things that there was at least something at Epcot that you could go to, or maybe maybe part of an attraction like Spaceship Earth or something where where this story was kind of told so you understood what you were experiencing. Yeah. I mean, you'd think they'd use, I don't know, like 20 square feet inside Wonders of Life. To yeah. do a small exhibit, like heaven knows they have the room, you know. Once they change the carpet and, and <laughs> get rid of the murals from the old attractions, maybe. Oh my gosh. Uh, so anyway, that's the urban area in the center. And then as you move outward, you get to the residential areas. This is where people are actually going to live in this kind of self-contained city. My favorite part of the city was that it was going to be enclosed and climate controlled. So completely protected from rain, heat and cold, humidity, all that kind of, all that kind of stuff you know happens in central Florida, it would be kind of protected from that, which that was kind of big dreaming on Walt's part. Yeah. Well, is it the whole city or was it that inner inner area? I mean, was it the residential areas too? I'm just getting this. This is something he actually said in the video. And when he talked, it discussed, it sounded like the whole city from residential areas to urban areas. That's funny. That's one of those things that's one of those myths, those urban legends that um, 
you know, gets around there that they originally wanted to put Walt Disney World in a dome. And on one hand, uh, we all say, ah, that's stupid. That's just a legend. But then it's it's kind of back there somewhere. <laughs> it kind of is. Like, I wonder if this was something where he put it on paper and thought the Imagineers will figure that out. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, well, I don't work. have to worry about it. Uh, so um, at the end of the video, he like his other main point was talking about transportation. Uh, his quote is, here... The pedestrian will be king, free to walk and browse without fear of motorized vehicles. So I remember talking about this when we discussed the monorail and the people mover, how there would be two forms of transportation, the woodway people mover and the monorail. The monorail would be like the main transport that gets you from major section to major section. And then as you branch out to the smaller areas, the residential areas, you hop on the people mover to the next stop. Yeah. And there would be vehicles. Of course, you need trucks and cars, but they would all be contained to two roads that just go around kind of the outside of it or or underneath it even. And yeah. that way, pedestrians never had to stop for cars. He said something about there never needing to be stoplights because traffic would just keep moving. Um, again, it's a great idea. It's just, as I, as I see it, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if that would have worked. Complete public transportation all the time but it's interesting to note that some of the things not that the people mover never breaks down but the the idea for the people mover and those things was to uh well as they experiment and develop prototypes for these things was to experiment with different ways to to fuel them and to make them move so we've talked about i think the people mover at walt disney world still runs on the magnetic like inline whatever you call it that's yes induction something induction yeah basically runs itself um the 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 monorails are are powered on the actual the 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 railing and of course they have problems too but i don't know what walt's vision was always blue sky we'll figure it out we'll perfect it you know it was never supposed to be let's plan it and it'll be perfect the first day as you said earlier, it's always going to be experimenting and always um, improving. That was the idea. Yeah, it, and it, it's funny, like, only now as we talk about this, do I realize how accurate the description was, experimental prototype yeah. <laughs> community of tomorrow. Because I always took that to mean we're going to experiment by having a self-contained city. Yeah. But within the city, experiments were constantly being done. Everything. By these corporations. So it really is an experimental city in more than one way. It was like the beta test for everything that was going to be invented and put out into the world. Now, obviously, we know this did not turn out exactly Mm. like this. And we'll get to that in a second. Um, But before I throw it over to you, I just want to read a few quotes from this video. You know, it's kind of heartbreaking watching this video because yeah. as he always is when he's on screen, Walt is so excited and he's so convinced that this will be something the whole world talks about. It's going to change the way we live and think. And, you know, on this side of history, we know it didn't turn out like that. Yeah. Uh, but he did film this project and here are two quotes. And obviously we've already discussed how Marty Sklar wrote this script. So, I say it's Walt's quote, but it might as easily have been Marty Sklar's quote. 
But Walt says it with conviction, that's for sure. (laughs) He says, The most exciting, by far the most important part of our Florida project, in fact, the heart of everything we'll be doing in Disney World, will be our experimental prototype, City of Tomorrow. He called it City. I thought that was funny. I think he just misspoke, but... And then secondly, it will always be in a state of becoming. It will never cease to be a living blueprint of the future. Everything in Epcot will be dedicated to the happiness of the people who live, work, and play here. And I love that. Like, I love that optimism of it's always going to be looking forward, you know? Yeah, it was. it's, it's Disneyland. Like we said earlier, it was what Disneyland laid the blueprint for. And Disneyland is where you go and have fun as a family together. This was taking that uh, idea of perfecting the amusement park, theme park, family entertainment, and applying it to every every aspect of life, from work to transportation to shopping, recreation, uh, everything by that same model. And it would have been fantastic to an, to, to an extent. Yeah, you do wonder. So, to move ahead a little bit, Walt did pass away. Spoiler. Mm. Um, and basically, without like, it was such a grand idea and was so complicated that I'm sure the other leaders within Disney, after he passed, were like, I don't know if we can do this without his vision, without him being in charge of every little detail. And so, yeah. obviously, the idea was way scaled down. Um, but it is kind of interesting to think, like, would it have worked? If, if he had lived another five, ten years, would something like this exist? Even if not every city in America became this, would there be one or two cities that still, even just for Walt's legacy, were still around doing this? I don't know. Yeah, Walt's death, I mean, obviously, dealt a huge blow to the en- entire company. But it really nearly... Um, dealt the death blow to the Florida project as as it was known to that point. If it wasn't for Roy still being alive and pressing forward in his brother's legacy with at least the theme park, Walt Disney World, Magic Kingdom as we know it, then uh, who knows what we would have even gotten. You know, they <laughs> sold all the land back to Florida and let's just stick to California and let's just call it a day. Um, thankfully, that didn't happen. And as much as, you know, theme park lovers of, of Walt Disney World as we are, it's kind of one of those things that's very obviously sad that Walt died. But it's also one of those things that was beneficial, at least for the future of the company as we know it. Now, we, we lost the city and the the experimental prototype community of tomorrow as we would have known it. But we gained the Epcot we love. We gained, you know, the theme parks, Animal Kingdom, Hollywood Studios, everything else that we know and love about Walt Disney World. So there's uh, a lot of give and take. It is kind of interesting to think that Epcot didn't open for 11 years after Walt Disney World. So from like an outsider's perspective, seeing this all come about, it's like, Oh, cool. You guys kept the idea for the theme park. That was your idea for the f- in the first place. And you completely scrapped all of other Walt's ideas. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Walt, we'll let you build this if you add a theme park right by the city. Oh, you died? Okay, well, then we're just going to keep the theme park and throw away everything else. But then, <laughs> and this, this is where you can take over. 11 years later, we did get a, a very specific nod to this idea Walt had. Yeah. And... 
and 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 thanks and thanks to to Roy for like I said getting us to square one with Walt Disney World even happening. Um, just for people's sake, Disneyland opened in 1955. Walt himself died in 1966, and this is right in the middle of the planning for the Florida project. I don't even think had they even broke ground. I don't know. That's a good question. Any anything, because I mean, it brought it to a screeching halt when he died. And as we said, Roy kind of took the helm and and steered it back in the direction of at least the theme park, which we know opened as Walt Disney World in 1971. And just just kind of a little glimpse into um, the way the planning and the thinking went as we get to where we are today with Epcot, even in the original plans for Walt Disney World. And the Magic Kingdom that opened in 1971, you see hints of Epcot. You see hints of what it was going to be. First of all, you come to an entrance facility, which we know today is the Ticket and Transportation Center. Um, As ugly and gaudy as it is, it was going to be this hub of transportation to the resorts, to the theme park, uh, to all the recreation that was going to be on Bay Lake and the Seven Seas Lagoon and the campground. That was going to be kind of your welcome center hub, as we, as you've talked about with the original Florida Project. I mean, it's the monorails coming out of there. There's the ferry boats. You know, it's that whole transportation hub idea that gets you to the theme parks. Then you also have the the resort hotels that that became um, available around Seven Seas Lagoon. The Contemporary, which just even looking at it, is certainly a nod to. That kind of atrium, indoor shopping, dining community. Then you have the Polynesian Village Resort, which was certainly had that international flair. There were, as we've talked about before, plans for other resorts with international themes, like um, like a, there was like a Middle Eastern, like a Persian theme one, correct? Yeah. An Asian one. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And we get Grand Floridian, of course, about you know in the 80s. But all of that was kind of already steering in that little Epcot uh, direction. That was in the, um, of course, as you said, the board, even under Walt, was was, was always very skeptical about how this whole community was going to work out. Um, by the late 70s, after Roy himself had already passed, and so you've lost all of that, that primary Disney leadership in the company, then CEO uh, Card Walker in the late 70s wanted to revisit the Epcot idea. That's all I could ever find about what he exactly wanted as we were moving forward. But the board, again, was very uneasy. And the uneasiness of the board was not necessarily, interestingly enough, was not necessarily about whether it's possible or whether it was going to actually work logistically. Their primary concern, interestingly enough, was that people, they did not feel that people were actually going to want to come live here because they... Um, would be under a constant quote-unquote microscope uh, Hmm. always being observed by the world and part of the news and part of this and you know basically (laughs) in in a nice way being experimented on all the time as if they were always the uh, the test group for everything yeah it does kind of have a big brother vibe doesn't it yeah well it it does and (laughs) Walt would have been horrified by by the idea of of that, and I'm sure he wanted nothing 
less than that, nothing more than that. That's not the word I'm looking for. I'm sure he wanted nothing to do with that idea, but that's what the board saw. And as you move later into the 70s, uh, who knows what political factors were, were moving in their heads, but they did not want the big brother microscope uh, you know, being observed all the time. They didn't think that people were going to go for that. And maybe they wouldn't have because coming into the 80s, that was a, a growing concern. So they shifted it in planning towards the theme park, which uh, opened in 1982. Uh, originally, the Imagineers had um, planned on two parks. There was going to be one that would feature the futuristic, experimental, innovative aspects, uh, technological side, I guess, of things, uh, much like you would have gotten in the corporate setting. But this would have been... Uh, very much in line with Tomorrowland or Future World as we know it. Experiments in the future and progress and all this. And the other park um, was going to be very much modeled after that indoor shopping um, pedestrian area that was themed for places around the world. And so obviously what we have today is uh, an amalgamation of both. So let's just take this and let's just take this, the future and the world thing, and splice it together. And that creates Epcot, as we know it, with Future World on one side and World Showcase on the other. Which is why that park is huge. Yeah, it's twice the size of the Magic Kingdom, wow. I think. I mean, just walks. I mean, to get from Spaceship Earth to, say, the American Adventure, whew, it's a hike. It's one of those things that people say, well, you know, Animal Kingdom is like four times the size of Magic Kingdom. And I think I might be wrong. But I think that includes, like, the safari, like, the land. Yes, it does. So it's one of those things, like, Epcot's twice the size of the Magic Kingdom, and it's all walkable. (laughs) (laughs) You go to those places. So, I mean, just looking at the park feels like two places. I mean, you've got the future world where, you know, Spaceship Earth, the big ball, as we know it is. And um, we're not going to delve into every aspect of of future world, but on one side is the technological... Um, very scientific, mechanical side of things, where Horizons was, World of Motions was, Universe of Energy was, Wonders of Life. And on the other side, the more organic, um, earthy imagination, the seas, the land is over there. And then kind of in the middle was Communicore, which was at first uh, like Innovations 1.0, which was uh, just Basically, what we're talking about with the tech companies having uh, kind of a little exhibition, a permanent exhibition and showcase for all their upcoming things. By the 90s, when it becomes innovations, it's I remember it just being a lot of virtual reality and video game stuff. Mm -hmm. And lately, they've kind of moved back to, uh, and I say lately, once the other one's shut, but with the paint thing and the, it kind of got weird. It kind of became like a health fair for kids with the piggy bank thing and putting out the fires and yeah uh, it was like a, it was i didn't care for interventions ever really it just felt kind of like a, a science center you know yeah i think they were trying really hard to hang on to that kind of like the studios you know to the last breath was hanging on to that studios <laughs> we're gonna make stuff here and so Epcot, to the last breath of intervention, which is still there, is still trying to say, look, we got the house of the future. And everybody's like, who cares? I don't want to do that. <laughs> um, but but that, 
But that's what, what 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 you had. And then on the other side, of course, what we had originally as those streets themed to the different countries from around the world. Now we have the pavilions as we know them of World Showcase, which do feature dining and shopping and entertainment from those areas. Yeah. And another little nod is that there, aside from the international feel of all of Walt Disney World as far as the cast members go, World Showcase still, to this day, in the pavilions uses only, I mean, at least in the terms of the cast members you meet and see, they use cast members from that country, which v- smacks of that original Welcome Center uh, idea that, that you talked about. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I do believe it's a requirement that if you're going to work in show- World Showcase, you have to be from that nation. You have to be from the world. <laughs> from this world. <laughs> yes. um, or they'll just fake your name tag for you. Can you say that you're from Morocco? No. Yeah. Not true. Fake news. No, they don't do that. So uh, very early on in Epcot's, um, which we, we've talked about this before as well, but in 1982, as much as it was a theme park, with you know paid admission and tickets and and let's just you know call them rides attractions it still was huge i mean at least the whole park was edutainment at its finest i mean there wasn't much for kids to do i mean the, uh, kids could do everything but there wasn't you know there wasn't like you know you think disney world you think magic kingdom and fantasy land and and dumbo and stuff it wasn't silly there wasn't anything silly and I say this in a, in a, you know what I mean by it. It wasn't fun like. It was fun in its own way, but it was like a museum. Yeah. Like, you know, Spaceship Earth was about the history of communication, and it was serious and dark. And then there was the Universe of Energy, which was 45 minutes of a basically a science lesson on the beginning of the universe and how we have fuel. And then there's the body, and then you know, Horizons might have been kind of like a little. But even that was very realistic, and it was very optimistic and futuristic. This is where we're going to live in the future. Um, World of Motion was whimsical, but, um, you know, it's just one of those things, looking back on old Epcot, and I say this all the time, it was marvelously dark and weighty. Like, it it felt imposing and intimidating in in a very different way than it does today. Yeah, well, you always hear it referred to as a World's Fair. Like, when they Mm. built it as a theme park, their idea was kind of to create a World's Fair. And that's very true. When you think of, like, the 1964 World's Fair, which Disney had a huge part in, what with It's a Small World, Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln, the Ford Magic Skyway, stuff like that, it does kind of have that feel. Like, you're going to enjoy it. It is fun, and I know what you mean. It's not fun in the the way we think of it. But you're also going to be learning things, and you're going to be just kind of they're kind of just showing off you know like this is what we can do now and that's kind of what epcot was and in that way they held on to the original vision at least in in part for the city you know i think about the land uh specifically the land is is one that still really tries to hold on to it and that because the script hasn't changed in probably 30 years um <laughs> at least it's not someone like reading it now it's the recording but you know they still hold on to the um, 
we're developing better ways to, you know, do agriculture, and we're we're thinking we're we're developing. The, I mean, they've de- they've been developing hydroponics for 35 years. You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of one of those things. Like we people already do this, but it's still part of that living with the land attraction. And we're thinking about ways to do this and try to eliminate our waste and trying to do this. Um, living with the land still holds on to that, where a lot of the other attractions have kind of gone on different places but all the attractions were serious even the imagination which featured you know figment and dreamfinder was very much kid friendly and had colors and it was fantastical in a sense even it was an actual you know talking about what the imagination is and creativity and taking in things and the source of ideas and then world showcase of course as as we've said which largely remains unchanged except for the intrusion of uh, Disney characters here and there. Um, <laughs> I mean, largely work. remains unchanged. They've only added two pavilions yeah. in the last 35 years. Yeah, I mean, World's Fair at its finest, uh, with architecture and everything, and food and, and shopping and music and entertainment and culture and language, and um, it, it it's all there. Future World's kind of morphed, uh, obviously, over the last 35 years, um, to the point where it is today, where imagination is kind of still hanging on, but you you get the feeling that that it's not what it was and it never will be again. Mm-hmm. And so, as much as we mourn the loss of things like Universe of Energy and World of Motion and Horizons, the future is clearly pulling us in a very different direction. And I guess Disney. <laughs> Disney fans, Epcot fans like myself, got to figure out uh, if we're either going to just hate it, just to hate it, or if we're just going to try to adapt and enjoy it anyway. Yeah, it's hard because part of the problem with Epcot's transformation over the last 35 years has been something Disney can't help. Like eventually the future catches up with you. And all of a sudden, you're outdated. Like, Disney can't really help that, you know? Yeah. So things like Horizons, it was predicting the future. Well, it didn't take long before Horizons started to look kind of corny, kind of outdated. <laughs> so Disney can't help that. But I but I also think some of the problems are Disney's own fault because they would close things and then not know what to do. Like, I think Test Track is a great example of what to do with an attraction if World of Motion is outdated. Bring in something like Test Track that really can't get outdated, and I know they've done the redo. But then other places, like showing Pixar shorts, like that's the best thing you can think of is yeah, to show movies. Or, or like Wonders of Life, you close all those attractions and the best thing you can do is leave the building empty? You know, like, sure, maybe the vision, it, maybe the park is not going to have the exact same vision as, as it had in 82. But like you said, adapt, you know, like tr- kind of transform the image of what the park is, like slowly morph it into something else instead of trying to hold on to that and then getting stuck and realizing you have no ideas. Yeah. And, and the question is, moving forward, because we don't have a lot of details yet on, on some of these things. When, um, if you don't know this, uh, Universe of Energy is closed and uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is is in some form or fashion going to be in that attraction, um, are they going to try to make it about energy and make it relevant to what the park has been? Or is this going to be – because you, you, you have Nemo 
uh, Finding Nemo that you know took the place of Living Seas. But even there, you know, you have a short little stupid dark ride followed by an aquarium that actually has fish and dolphins and 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 exhibits and things that teach you about the ocean and the sea. So it's still got the edutainment-ish, you know, aspect. Uh, will Guardians of the Galaxy be the first one to just kind of be purely entertainment? It could be. I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to incorporate energy. I also wouldn't be surprised if they turned it into an exploration of space, since it's right next door to Mission Space. Yeah, and the space restaurant. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so it could be like a whole space pavilion over there. Yeah. Um, the more I think about the Guardians takeover, the more I'm okay with it. Um, like so many attractions in Future World that I like are things that don't necessarily teach you but just like the technology itself is sort of a a cool thing for adults to experience like i don't want to make this the quote adult park but in in many ways it is like you think of soren and you think of test track these are things that you do have to be fairly tall to ride and they Mm -hmm. use technologies to entertain you that we haven't really seen a lot of before, like that test, the test track technology of, you know, moving around and all of a sudden it's the fastest attraction in Walt Disney World. Soarin' was kind of ahead of its time. Um, and so if Guardians of the Galaxy is also sort of an entertaining attraction that's geared more towards teenagers and adults, then I think that that's the kind of park that Epcot can become, where all of the attractions are ride systems that you haven't really experienced anywhere else, but they're not necessarily like shoving information and history and science down your throat. Does that make sense? I mean, Epcot purists may hate me for saying that, but well, no. the The original plan wasn't, in in a way, looking back on it, it's like, well, that was really heavy. But the original plan was not to shove it down your throat. It was to make you help you learn something in a uh, in an entertaining way. It's just, it's kind of like, and people bemoan the new script of Spaceship Earth. I don't mind it. I'm not one of those that's, you know, on the high horse about it being dumbed down or whatever. I kind of feel like that's what we're going to get with Guardians of the Galaxy, even if they try to make it about, I don't know, energy con. I, I kind of see see they're probably going to go with like a energy conservation kind of message if they go, because that's very, you know, in the in the. It's very in right now. Talk about energy conservation and, and stuff. So I can kind of see them doing that, but just like they did with the script, it's going to be like very, very, very minimal. Yeah. Um, so have you studied... Okay, so at the D23 Expo, they very, very briefly showed some concept art for Epcot because they have promised that by the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World, four years from now, Epcot's going to just have this complete overhaul it's going to have a lot of things done to it in fact so many things that they're not even announcing what some of those things are but they quickly showed a concept art just kind of a sketch basically have you gotten a good look at that yet well i was gonna i was gonna bring it up just actually right right before you 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 went there because uh yeah yeah i have looked at it and it's funny because i don't know what episode it was but we talked about what to do with World Showcase. And I don't remember if it was like Armchair Imagineering or or what, what episode it was where we did this. Um, or a very early episode. But we talked about, I specifically mentioned tearing down the buildings for interventions on both sides, the Electric Umbrella and Mouse Gear. And making it a huge, big, green, 
mall because you know the, the kind of greeny looking space is kind of in right now even in a futuristic way and that's what this concept art which looks like it's at night yeah to me the concept art you see spaceship earth you clearly see the fountain of nations but there in the middle where that huge ugly spider umbrella thing is um and where interventions those side buildings are it's all open which like just duh just do that already yes it, it would open up that whole middle space so much even if it wasn't a giant green field or whatever if it was just a open space you could see all the attractions it would feel so massive and so vast and that would be great but my favorite part of the concept art is what looks like they're going to be doing in front of the land which would in a way sadly cover up the big glass pyramids um not the ones for imagination but the little dome type thing of the land but in a way it'd be wonderful and that is it looks like there's like a big forest maybe like a new kind of entryway in into the land which Ooh. is like a rainforest or forest or something but yeah i love that concept art and i hope they really get some of the ideas and move with them listen raising i mean like bulldozing the interventions building to me that's a no-brainer because a they're almost hollow at this point like <laughs> you can meet the characters in there and <laughs> what else i don't even know it and smells like butthole on the <laughs> <laughs> that one side just smells like a just a perpetual like toilet smell over there okay i don't know about that uh, but it's they, where the characters are oh okay interesting i didn't know that but also besides them not really being used for anything yeah, it's such a shame to stand between Spaceship Earth and the Fountain of Nations. And when you look to your left and right, all you see are just like big tunnels, basically. Yeah. But if those were torn down and you could see the land, you could see the seas, over on the other side, you could see Mission Space. Like, that would just open it up so much. It would just be, it would just feel fresh and clean and neat. And I love that idea. Yeah, and you got that whole um, kind of World's Fair feel if you had that big open area in between you have spaceship earth as kind of your landmark obviously and then you have all that those wonderful exhibits on the the perimeter of of that area and you know much like the hub of walt of, of magic kingdom you know built in those those kind of sitting picnicky grassy fake grass areas i think that that whole idea is very progressive right now you know green green belts and green areas and yeah. and things like that as part of big cities and even that is a nod to the original uh experimental prototype of community whatever experimental prototype community of tomorrow which featured a green belt uh between the commercial area and the residential area so it it's a it's a win-win for demolishing all that junk and opening it up yeah, I know I've mentioned this before, but I would love, now that they're completely redoing Future World, basically, I would love for them to add a couple people mover stations all throughout Future World to where you can just go from one pavilion to another on this people mover. Like, A, it would add... Yes! Yeah, right? A, it would add kinetic energy, which Future World is very much lacking. So you yeah. look around and you see zip, 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 these little transportation modules going all around. That would be cool. But secondly, the monorail going in the middle. Exactly, because it's already there. Yeah, so that brings me to my other point. Secondly, besides the kinetic energy, it would it would just be a way for you to give a nod 
to Walt's original Epcot. Like, first of all, it's super practical, so why not do it? But second of all, it ties so well in with what he had planned back in the 60s of having a people mover take you to your residential areas from the urban center. Like, it just makes sense to me. And it would make Future World a lot more, this whole idea would make Future World a lot more hangout friendly. You know, Epcot suffers... Epcot suffers the the bowel movement syndrome, which is everyone starts in one place in the in the morning, and everybody winds up in World Showcase in the evening, with you know exceptions for a few rides here and there. But this would, if you open that up and made it beautiful at night and a huge place for people to sit and stand where they can see, you know, f- from the most part they can see a lot of the fireworks from Illuminations. People would hang out there at night. They'd go buy some wine and go buy some food and sit around on the grass or just go find a place or ride the people mover. I mean, who wouldn't want a people mover at another park? (laughs) Exactly. To ride around it at nighttime on. Uh, What a wonderful idea. Well, my biggest request for this big change that Epcot is going through, these growing pains, my biggest request is that you just do something. Like, it doesn't have to fit the original vision. It doesn't have to be, like, equally entertaining and um, edu... What's the word? Edutaining. I know, but entertaining, educating. <laughs> I was like, oh, wait, what's the edutaining? actual word? <laughs> yeah, I was like, what's edutaining a mixture of? <laughs> it doesn't have to be an equal blend. Just, like, do something. Like, like you're doing with Guardians of the Galaxy. Just make attractions. You know what? It's, you know what's funny? Like, I actually think Flight of Passage would have worked really well in Epcot. Just because you're using technology that's we, that we've never seen before. And, you know, there's kind of, like, an environmental message there. Um, I mean, maybe not the exact same story. That wouldn't work. But even something like that, like, I actually think that would fit well in Epcot because it's a ride that's kind of geared toward an older audience, but it's new and it's cool and I don't know. Um, Also, I have a specific idea for the, what's the Magic Eye Theater? Is it still called that? Uh, Maybe. I I don't know. Okay, so it's connected to the Imagination Pavilion, right? Or it's part of it. So why not make an original 3D movie featuring Figment? Like, you see him in the ride, and then you go watch a movie with him in it. And, like, the seats can move like they always have, and maybe the Inside Out characters could be in it. I don't know. (laughs) Just throw them in there for some reason. And they talk more about, like, imagination or the mind or or something. But at least it's not movies that we can watch at home. Uh, Yeah, my, my... My little dream for that whole area is to use all of that space for one big, good attraction. Well, that too. I'd yeah. be okay with that. But if you're going to keep the theater, the moving seats and all that, like, why not make an original movie, even with Dreamfinder, maybe, that would tie into the attraction next door? I don't know. Um, we didn't really talk about this. When it opened in 1982, it was called Epcot Center, right? Yeah, which is... Is kind of, I think that was kind of their way of dealing with the awkward fact that this is not a community of tomorrow. This is a theme park. <laughs> yeah. But Epcot was... was in all caps for a very long time. Yeah. And now when you see it, only the E is capitalized. And I think that was them kind of transitioning away from the city of tomorrow and just like now it's just everybody knows it as Epcot. Most famously or perhaps infamously was the Epcot font that adorned the top of Spaceship Earth during the Millennium, well, after the Millennium Celebration, because it was 2000, and then when they just decided to put Epcot up there, it was that red, <laughs> ribbony, tinsely 
like Christmas looking that was capital E, little P, C, O, T. I remember that was like back in the early 2000s. Yeah, when the uh, when I first started discovering Disney, uh, there weren't even blogs at that t- point, just Disney sites where people fussed about things. That was one of the ones I remember. It's not all caps. Uh, uh, so yeah, but recently, as our, our friend Aaron pointed out to me when we were there uh, last year sometime, I don't remember, and I didn't notice this, but they had started indeed going back to all caps on a lot of their merchandise and, and logos and things. Yes, in fact, I'm looking at the merchandise that I discussed earlier for the 35th, and I know the idea was to go retro, so that might be why they're having it in all caps, just to be like, oh, remember when we spelled it in all caps? But it, they could, <laughs> but they could purposely be sort of moving back towards that original Epcot yeah. idea. Well, listen, even if they, even if they don't, um, you know, even if it's it's always going to be a theme park, obviously. But you know, I think about what they're doing with the the Grand Avenue at Hollywood Studios, and sure, that might just be creating a space to have a space but at the same time that is something that people enjoy is just a you know there's the foodie side of things there's the craft beer and all that stuff that's very in right now you can capitalize on all of that stuff at a central hub there in future world and really give it that community vibe yeah even if it's still a theme park you know there's there's all these places to buy food and drinks and hang out and even if you're not riding the rides, it'll be a wonderful place to be. Yeah. Now, of the two halves, Future World is clearly in more need of some love, some TLC. Yeah. But there are rumors swirling that World Showcase is about to get one, maybe two new pavilions. And I do love that, because as much as I love World Showcase, if you can add more nations, do it. Like, yeah, you know, make it even better than it is. Minus some of the attractions, which are getting some love, like Reflections of China. Is that it? Mm-hmm. And Impressions de France. Um, and Ratatouille. Well, there's that, you know, that the whole idea, I guess, is, is shoehorn, you know, frozen into there, and then and Ratatouille, which we've said is a little less on the nose because it's actually in, in France. But uh, with some of those attractions aside, there's not much over there that ages. I mean, it's an ancient everything's kind of that classical architecture from wherever it is, and it's not ever going to change. Right. So it's not trying to be futuristic. It's not trying to be trendy. So I think as long as they keep that in mind with the with the new pavilions. But I do also think that incorporating some attractions over there is a thing that we're going to see more and more of. Even if they get new pavilions, I think they're going to think, nah, we probably need to put a ride in here of some kind. That connects to a property, you know, a Disney thing. Right, right. I, I do not disagree with you. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we also got a new fireworks show by 20, whatever that is. 20, 21. Yeah, 2021. <laughs> yeah. So that would be kind of refreshing to see. It would be kind of cool if they make a big deal. Well, if they're going to, obviously. It would be kind of cool to make a big deal of Epcot on the 50th. Because it was really all about, as we've said, it was really all about that to begin with. I totally agree. I would love that. Let's give Ep- Epcot some love. Uh, now, we know this weekend they're planning a few things. They've got some sort of presentation near Fountain of Nations on the day of the anniversary. They have a few private, like, D23 gold member events as well that sold out pretty quickly. So th- so they are doing a few things this weekend. I doubt we'll get any announcements. But 
I, I'm sure that over the next year or two, they'll start to flood in of like little hints of what we might see at Epcot in the next few years, which is exciting. Well, on opening day, as if Jeremy were here, he would tell us this story. Um, on opening day, uh, leaders from around the world brought vessels of water from <laughs> tributaries and lakes and ponds from around the world and emptied them into Fountain of Nations as a sign of unity and progress, you know, as the globe and all this stuff, yada, yada, yada. Um, I hear that for the 50th, they're actually going to be collecting tears from children from around the world wow. and, and and putting them in the fountain. Yeah, so it's this kind of world world suffering, agonizing thing. Mm. And they're going to have a Michael Jackson hologram singing children. What, what is it? We are the world. We are, we are the children. We are the children, which is coincidentally why the children are crying, because Michael Jackson is there. Right, <laughs> right. Oh no! Um, happy birthday, Epcot! Uh, <laughs> you, you know you're you're that awkward teenager right now, so we just have to give you some extra love and know that we're there to support you. But we hope you become a mature, flourishing adult very soon. Yeah, you're trying to play basketball and you just can't right now. But one of these days you'll find what you're good at. Well, I was going to say, in my case, like, you just still be waiting for me to be good at basketball. Uh, No, you keep trying different things till you find out what you're actually supposed to do. That's what I did. Gotcha. Well, only time will tell. I am excited about Guardians, I have to say. Um, Maybe that will be the first thing that opens. Who knows? But anyway, I think that does it for this episode. It's always fun to talk about um, where we've come from and where we're headed. Hopefully, our listeners found that entertaining and informational or edutaining, if you will, Uh, as well. Listeners, thanks for tuning in. If you have anything you want to say to us or if you want to reach out about anything, you can always do so on Twitter and Instagram at Mad Chatters. You can go like our Facebook page and see the stuff we post over there. Or you can send your emails to comments at madchatters.net. Jeremy, Matt, and I will all be back next week. So we will see you then. Tomorrow's child. And take a little time to find them what is it <laughs> take a little time to find the magic in every day yep. oh i feel i feel like dirty saying that it's not my catchphrase just clip him in here at the end oh, okay good call are you gonna oh that's uh, okay <laughs> that was my bye-bye uh, my bye-bye was tomorrow's child yes we can yes i just do a, a medley of epcot favorites <laughs>